Welcome to the Security Serengeti. We're your hosts, David Schwenninger and Matthew Keaton. Stop what you're doing, subscribe to our podcast, leave us a lovely five-star review, and follow us at SerengetiSec on Twitter. We're here to talk about some cybersecurity and technology news headlines that hopefully provide some insight, analysis, and practical application that you can take in the office to help protect your organization. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are ours and ours alone and do not reflect the views or opinions of our employers. And for this podcast, we have to include an advisory. It may include adult content management. Horrifying. So listen, we are talking about managing some content via detection posture management. First, I have to add a disclaimer. Please not take this as gospel. This is a distillation of time speaking with vendors at Black Cat. Three demos and some research time. This should be considered a teaser and a prompt to do your own research if you think this is a tool your company would find useful. Oh, I'm, no, I'm buying right, something right now, <laughs> just based on whatever you say. Give me some cash. I will make a dis- another disclaimer. We are recording this in person on a deck in Manassas overlooking a highway and there's some music playing in the background. And I don't know how much of this I can take away in post-production, but it's going to be interesting. That's going to be interesting. So the, this detection, what do they call it? We, we call it detection management. Oh, detection posture management. So I got that term from one of the vendors we're going to talk about called Cardinal Ops. That's what they call it. But there's well, that's a couple of Gartner calls it. That's not what Gartner calls it. Yeah. I couldn't find that Gartner article. I saw that Gartner recently named this and they, they showed up somewhere else. Was, do you know what Gartner calls it offhand? Oh, it's, it's I thought it was in here. Well, they, uh, so they had them as one they Gartner, have Cardinal Cardinal. Yeah, it's down here. Uh, Cardinal Ops uh, is categorized in their hype cycle. Yeah, for automated security control assessment. Right. But not all of these vendors do the assessment part. So, and it's weird because they do more than that. It's weird to just put them in there. Anyways, all right. So there's three main vendors we're talking about. Cardinal Ops, Ambilogic, and Softcon. There's another company called Cyborg Security, which to a lesser extent does something like this, but they only focus on the hunt packages, really. They don't do the content stuff. That's interesting. I've looked, I've looked at them in the past. They're very, they, they, they have a, a, what they call the hunter threat hunting platform. And it does contain like a constantly updated library of content. It's got the tools for managing and executing hunts, but it's not focused on like rules. It's focused on stuff that is not stuff that you automate and run all the time. So it's interesting. I actually tried to grab a demo or I tried to get access yesterday because it occurred to me like, oh, we should totally talk about this too. But they have to do a manual approval to get access. <laughs> of course. They're not working on Saturday and Sunday. I don't understand why not. Lazy. So I'm going to start this off with kind of a question. Does the average company need a SIM now? Doesn't the ADR and NIDS basically take care of everything anyways? I mean, we're an XDR, right? No, XDR, XDR will take care of all of it. XDR I just got, everything. yeah, I've been looking at XDR quite a bit lately and uh, yeah, XDR solves all problems. Oh, sweet. Well, we can just close the episode, but it's just done. <laughs> yeah. Buy XDR. Done. So what types of capabilities do these tools offer? What actually drew me to them originally was I thought they were mostly just SEM content, a repository of stored SEM content that you could deploy because it occurs to me that Every company developing its own SEM content is kind of stupid. While different, you know, if you're in the health industry, you're targeted by different threat actors than if you're in the government industry, et cetera, et cetera. Well, like 90% of the stuff's the same. They all use phishing. They all use script command and scripting interpreters. They all use, you know, malware in some form. So that means that what that says to me is that says to me that companies like 90% of the content at every company should be the same. 
Like you don't need a specialized fishing rule for your company. Right. Well, you know, with the, with the emergence of AI, I can imagine a not too distant future where, where you'll fire up the tool, you'll say, okay, this is our, this is our industry. These are the tools that we have available. And these are our repositories of knowledge. And you plug those things in and then AI spits out, well, here are your detections based on the tools that you have and where your content's at. Here are cribbing off the notes. Because <laughs> oh. there's at least one of them that does that. Really? <laughs> oh, that's well, handy. I mean, it spits out the recommendations. You still probably have to do some tuning, but yeah. So all of these, all these guys have over a thousand rules. One claims 10,000 rules. Do we need 10,000 detections? <laughs> do we need 10,000 alerts going off? I think you need 10,001. It's not good enough. We have to do more. Hey, it's, it's all about quantity, not quality. Ah, uh, you know what? You're not wrong though. Cause some of these, I feel like, so the RBA talk for Accenture last year, they said they had rolled out between hundred and 150 RBA rules and they thought they were in a good place. I talked to one of these vendors and they were talking about like, oh, you could roll out, you know, 600 rules in a year, 700 rules in a year, which those, those two approaches seem just so wildly divergent to me. Well, it's, it's the different philosophy that deep people have on logging as well. You know, yeah. log everything, turn everything on, don't turn anything off. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's the idea that more data will always achieve better outcomes when that's not necessarily true. One of them actually does act almost like RBA, although they, I mentioned it to them and they're like, no, no, this is better. This is different. This is better than RBA, <laughs> but it's very similar. They act as like a, so they push out this content and while they create a notable, we were talking about Splunk because I know Splunk best, it'll create a notable for each of the alerts, but it doesn't alert the analysts each time there's a detection. It alerts the analyst when there's, you know, detections across multiple tactics or there's more than some number of detections, which is super similar to RBA. I don't know why he thought it was better, <laughs> but it, has, it, has, it acts as like a pseudo detection layer over the top. And if you're using a data lake like Snowflake or something, it acts as a sim for Snowflake. Well, I would say he's mistaken in saying it's better than RBA. <laughs> it is RBA. It like our, it the only like difference RBA. is, is that they, the, the risks are not weighted. That yeah. seems to be the only difference between the two. Well, this was the one, this was the one that was, you know, I was actually thinking about if we should include a video component here. I was like, I don't think that the, I don't know, they'd be happy about letting me do a. Oh, probably not. Yeah. But like you can see here, this one has rule scoring. It has rule efficiency for, for people that aren't, you know, sitting behind us and watching. It has rule severity. It has rule competence. And then it has a risk score, which is auto calculated from the efficacy, severity, and competence ratings. So it seems like, and this is the one that I was talking about that says oh, it does RBA like stuff, but it's better than RBA. Why not just, call it RBA? <laughs> maybe, maybe Splunk trademarked it. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I suppose maybe. Uh, so, uh, they all have rating systems where threat engineer, threat detection engineers can, you know, be like, oh, this is a four-star rule. This is a three-star rule. Unfortunately, those ratings have to be manually. You have to go in there and like click on it which means that very few of them, you're only going to get like the really good change. ones or the really bad ones, the ones yeah. in the middle. But it does look like, it does look like some people, I mean, I'm looking over one of them, none of them have been rated here. This one has been downloaded and used 102 times. Oh no, it has been rated. A, it was rated a four and a half. I wonder how many stars, I wonder how many people rated it. Does it tell me? Oh, three, three. reviews. 
4.7 stars, three reviews. So, I mean, I guess that's better than nothing. But I personally... Yeah. I'll... What, they, what they could do is they could force the rating if you have to action it or respond to it or something, maybe. So at least one of them mentioned a way of getting feedback directly from Splunk. They apparently do something with the uh, notable events where you can go to a dashboard in Splunk and you can put feedback directly in there, but you still have to do an extra step. What I would like, and, and I asked two of the vendors about this and they both said they couldn't do this because of privacy concerns. But what I would love for them to do is take anonymized data back. You know, run a search every day and whatever your SIM is and be like, this alert fired. It was marked true positive, false positive, or map it somehow. Like, like ask what your local version of true positive is right. and map it back to it. And then push that back. Because I'd love to see like this same rule here that says, you know, it's malicious PowerShell commandlets. It has three reviews for 4.7. It's been looked at 203 times, downloaded 102 times by Florian Roth, who's very famous. And I think he was, I don't remember what he did. He did something famous. Did he do Sysmon? I don't know. I remember. But like, I would love to see that like this rule has been implemented in 102 environments. It fires on average twice per week. And it is a true positive 73% of the time. Like that's useful to me. Right. Like, yeah, I want to sort this by what's the highest true positive rate and the lowest fire rates. Because if it's right. true positive 20% of the time, but it fires a thousand times, we're like right. running some work. Yeah, you're missing out on the advantage of the, the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Or the community or whatever. However you want to categorize that. Yep, I agree. Oh, then I'm curious. What are these what are these malicious PowerShell command lines? I may go implement this rule. <laughs> so this one I'm looking at, there's one of these has a community edition where you can go. How interesting. These are all the invoke Mimi cats, invoke ninja copy, volume shadow copy tools. Huh. That seems holy cow. Yeah. Interesting. One of the tools has a drag and drop content developer, which is a little wild. Or is that, is that drag and drop into Signal then? I'm trying to find it real quick. Because otherwise it doesn't do you much good because you have to translate that into your specific sim. That's a good question. I don't know how. It's got a, it's got a code list. And this is something that I saw all over the place in Black F, where even Splunk is working on putting together a... Uh, a way to do plain language code and then translate it into searches. All right. Pretty much everybody's working on something like this right now. Well, that's, supposed to be, that's a, another one of those things that's supposedly going to close the gap between the number the of security gap. professionals that you yeah. have and the amount of work that needs to be done. Yeah. You know, so one of these tools has the ability to translate from Sigma to send specific format. Well, it is interesting, I think. If you only use one sim and you're sticking with it for decades, you don't really need something like this, except maybe to go find content from other places and bring it in. Right. But if you are transitioning to a new sim, that could, you could just pull all your data into there and dump it into the new format. Well, um, it, it, will it will translate from Sigma into the sim, but what about from the sim into Sigma? Because you'll need a middle ground if you're going from one sim to another, you know, unless it's going to do a direct translation between. Splunk and QRadar or something like that. So you'd you have, have to, to say, uh, take Splunk language, convert it into Sigma language, and then take that Sigma language and convert it into QRadar. Oh yeah, it converts from Chronicle to Sigma. So, yeah. Oh, well, that's handy. They should sell that as a standalone tool. They do. It's 15,000 years. Well, it needs a year. <laughs> 500 bucks all the time. <laughs> yeah. It ought to be like, you know, you can do 500 rules for X dollars or something like that. 
15,000 a year, that just doesn't make any sense. So interestingly enough, that's actually the way they price it. So this is Sock Prime we're talking about that has Encoder AI. You can see here, community, you join for free. On demand, we can get 200 premium rules. Here's the, they had the price on there when I looked at it the other day. Is the price not public? I could have sworn yesterday when I looked at this, I was, maybe it's because I'm logged in, but it was $15,000 for less. And then the enterprise, you have to get a custom amount, mm -hmm. but 200 rules a year for $15,000. That's pretty cheap. Like, and the unlimited filters, unlimited data planes, data planes are what you connect it to. API access analytics, like mm -hmm. that's dead cheap. Yeah. And then you can get more. They, the way they price it is by number of rules. So it's kind of like you're talking about, although for their uncoder AI and their attack detective, they sell these 20 unlimited, unlimited up to 25 code validation checks. And then attack detective is their like threat scanning thing. Mm -hmm. Their $15,000 version is the 12 threat surface scans per month. So and this one's wild. They, it's, it's, it's almost like a hunt and then you only run it like once a week or once a month. But every time you scan, it scans all of the rules in there. And then it produces reports based on the findings for those. It's weird. It's almost like a hunt platform instead of an alerting platform. Mm. So, but yeah. So others have the content in very limited formats. So one of them, for example, has Splunk, IBM, CrowdStrike, Microsoft Sentinel, Sumo Logic, and Google Chronicle. Chronicle. Another one has Splunk, Snowflake, Azure, Devo, and Elastic. So there's only five. Another one has Elastic, Arc, Sites, Q-Radar, Splunk, Sumo Logic, Chronicle, and Sentinel. So they all kind of have their platforms they work with. So if you use ArcSight, for example, you have one option. If you use Splunk, you've got three options. I only see Snowflake on one of these. I only see Azure on one of these. I only see Devo on one of these. So they, have, they have Sentinel, which is essentially Azure. They probably just ca categorize it differently. Oh, you're right. Yeah. So Azure I wondered about on, that when I saw Azure. I was like, what the hell is Azure? Like, I've never heard of yeah, Azure as a... Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Okay. So it needs to be uh, yeah. synonym. Yeah. So, but again, if you do SOC Prime, even though it doesn't automatically connect, uh, the ability to use the SEM rule, they have... If, you, if, it, if it takes in the SEM, I'm sorry, uh, the, the signal rules, you can use any of them, like a, as mm -hmm. AWS open search queries, Lucene syntax. So if something uses Lucene syntax, Falcon logs, there is. All right. Additionally, these guys do content management, kind of a lifecycle tracking light. You, if you're using the community edition, for example, you have to manually create the notable and spawn can copy the logic in. But if you're using a paid version, automations available via API to just push them all directly into your SEM. One of them, this guy, one of them actually will suggest timing. It'll look at your existing rule timing in Splunk and be like, you've got a ton of rules that, you know, one to 15 minutes. You should schedule this at 29 minutes. That's the MTS minute. Oh, that's handy. That is really cool. None of the, the other two didn't do that. That was very neat. So our, our automate, our SIM engineer was like, that was his favorite thing. <laughs> this is the thing I like the most. Yeah. Keeps track of what rules have been deployed and can suggest other rules based on what's missing both in terms of MITRE attack coverage and your log coverage and your prioritization. Talked about this a little bit at the beginning, but they all have some method of prioritizing rules. There's some combination of questionnaires asking you what are the log sources you have, what are your current threats and priorities, and what's your current coverage. 
So they all say there's AI in there. Now, for the for saying in terms of what you're missing for a miter attack, does that allow you to selectively say what miter attack you are interested in and then focus on those? Or is it just doing the whole overall entire uh, MITRE framework? Because if you're saying, because the idea behind the intelligence-driven defense is that you know who your attackers are based on their proclivities. And then you say, well, they, they use these TTPs. So those are the areas in MITRE you focus on. So they would need to tie that in to really make that useful. Otherwise, you get the Pokemon thing from the CISO. Gotta saying, you got to get them all <laughs> for MITRE and it's just not useful. Yeah. So this tool, which again, if you're not, I don't want to name them because I don't want anybody coming after me later. And <laughs> being like, why did you shit on our tool? So, obviously. Actually, that's not true. I like all three of these tools. I think they're all cool and they're all good in very, in different ways. This tool, one of the tools allows you to choose what APT groups or allows you to choose your industry and then it'll select tool groups oh, based that's on your nice. industry so that you can target that way. Right. Yeah, Another so that tool, helps if you don't have a threat intel team that's doing that kind of research for you. Yeah. The other tool that I, that I got a test version of, it allows you to select based on your platform. Like you can say Windows. Windows is a high priority for us. Therefore, when you recommend things, recommend Windows tools is the highest. And like maybe Mac OS is a low priority because we have Macs, but we don't have very many of them. So right. that's one way. But that's not a threat intel way. That's based on your log source. That's so a different way to look at it. But it's funny they have SAS on there at all because SAS doesn't give anybody anything. And and SAS is so wild too. With like, there's so many different types of application logs. Oh, this is cool. So if you click into that, it tells you which ones it considers to be high priority versus the others on an attack matrix. That's cool. Yeah, but if you're not getting data from the SAS, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> That's why I had that one marked as none because that's what I'm saying. I don't yeah. understand how they would even put that up. Maybe that's just future thinking. Saying eventually you'll get logs from a SaaS solution. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've been fighting that battle for, you know, almost a decade now. I, I'm not hopeful. I've looked into that a little bit and all the SaaS stuff is so varied and each one's got their own flip and log format. And some of them don't even give you logs. I think we were working with Adobe TM. It's Adobe TM, some Adobe product where they host your website for you. Mm -hmm. And they wouldn't give us logs at all for that. They're just yeah. like, we'll watch it for you. What if I want to watch it? Because it's my website. <laughs> yeah, I've, de I've, I've dealt with major vendors that provide SaaS solutions that absolutely don't provide logs. But I was able to convince one vendor who's pretty, I think they're pretty significant in the security space to actually develop a, a log solution for the SaaS for their SaaS product that they would send logs to customers for. So one, one small victory. They all do data validation of some type. Uh, before deploying a rule, they all have some sort of testing and tuning page using the API where they can run the search and report back how many results they have. Uh, in terms of ongoing validation, they all have different levels of validation. Is the source data there? Are the correct fields there? But none of them tie in with a breach and attack simulation tool. <laughs> To map each rule out and test each rule individually. It's, so, it's, it seems, it seems obvious to me. It really does. It really does. You just like, I would love to have an end to end where this tells you, like, is the data there? The data quality is good or bad. And then it ties into the breach and tax simulation. Now you've got like end to end validation. The whole chain works. Every, 
Well, I don't, I, I wouldn't say that's completely end to end because what you'd really want also is for this thing to tie into your case management system for the true false positives, et cetera, to get that feedback straight into the tool as well, saying, hey, this alert fired X number of times. It's been involved in these number of incidents. And this number of times, the incidents in which it was involved in were actually true positives and resulted in investigation. Yeah, an escalation investigation versus just being closed. Right, because hmm. I think what you want to know is you want to know how many times it fires over X period of time. And then, you know, how often does that actually result in an incident? That's another thing where these things are kind of lacking since they're not pulling that data back in is if you want to do like quarterly or annual rule reviews, there's nothing in there for right. validating and, and doing any sort of well, any I, sort of improvement over time. Well, what I'm thinking is if you were able to do that full tie-in though and have, you know, this content validation, this is only at the SIM level, you know, but if you start at doing content validation all the way down to the detection level for your EDR for custom triggers maybe, or even maybe built-in triggers or whatever. And you have that stuff in your content management system and that flows up through your SIM, includes your, your attack simulation, includes your case management. And you have that actually that full uh, cycle with all the metrics associated with it at each level. Then you don't have to do your quarterly reviews. You, what you do is you set up your criteria to say, this is what I say is good and this is what I say is bad. And when a rule trips one of those... Threshold. You look at the rules individually you, rather than doing them. Yeah. You you evaluate them at the time. It's determined. Yeah. Hey, this rule is really not doing you a good a good turn at this point. So review it now instead of waiting for every quarter to do thirty three rules or hundred rules or whatever. You do it at the time you decide. Once we've deployed ten thousand rules, if you do a quarterly review, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's when you go out and you hire uh, Accenture to, <laughs> to augment your staff to uh, do the rule review every quarter. So let's talk about that. There's, there's, this is, this is the business idea we were just talking about. Like, there's your business. Now, just need to hire an army of coders. <laughs> yeah. Here's my vision. Make it so. Make it so. Cardinal Ox was called out in the Gardner hype cycle for security operations 2023. I don't know if we're going to talk about this. I like talking about the hype cycle. As part of the automated security control assessment category, which is different from breach and tech simulation. They've got those as two separate, although they feel like yeah. they're all kind of the... Related. Yeah. So they do identify broken rules, but it's weird that they put it in this category. But the category is in the earliest part of the hype cycle, the innovation trigger. So, yeah, I only looked at that small section in the hype cycle. I didn't look at the whole thing. Yeah. Although we did show the sim had just entered into the, the plateau. plateau of usefulness. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. an interesting assessment. Was I noticed that XOR was in the trough of disillusionment. Uh, you mean XDR? Or yeah, sorry. No, oh, it, yeah. it was about soar. to enter. Soar. Oh, soar, yes. Yeah, you're right. XDR was like at the top of the Yeah, peak. just about ready to start falling. <laughs> I, yeah. I couldn't believe There's... this. I couldn't believe digital forensics and incident response is on the peak of inflated expectations. That should be way over here. You would think, right? Yeah, that should, I, I mean, way over towards the nearing the plateau. We've been doing it for decades at this point. Yes. I think it was weird. It was wild. So and I noticed they have this chasm. That's another one that looks like it should be merged with exposure management. And they've got a couple of mm -hmm. these that are all weird. I'm betting it's because there's some analyst that wants to put their mark on it. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, yeah. I invented this category. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, but that's not what we're talking about. Too. Right. One of the other items that they do is they do tuning. One of the, at least one of them will suggest tunings based on how it fires. 
for example, if it finds that 90% of the time it fires, it's all based on the same command line, it'll suggest you tune that out. So unfortunately, it can make good tuning suggestions because it can't see if it's a true positive or a false positive. Right. All it sees is that this happened. <laughs> yeah, right, of the time. exactly. It's got a high volume of alerts. <laughs> or you deploy it after the bad guy's already there. <laughs> and you're like, right. why is this happening? This has been happening since this rule has been deployed. Yeah. They all have reports for leaderships. I grabbed a screenshot of one they use as an example, which I hate because it's showing coverage reports, showing the gap between. So this example is lapsus miter coverage, and it's saying lapsus uses 36 techniques. In January, we had coverage for 12 of the 36 techniques. Then in February, we had coverage for 25 of the 36 techniques. Then in March, we had coverage for 29 of the 38 techniques. And I, I have concerns that this is going to lead to, as you called it, the Pokemon method, where why don't we have 100% MITRE coverage? I mean, technically, you could roll out one rule for each of them, and you have 100% MITRE coverage. But what about PowerShell? You don't need just one rule for PowerShell. Right. <laughs> you need like 10 rules. Well, one thing to note on this, this graphic here also is that it also shows that lapses changes their techniques. Yeah, we're from 36 to 38. Yeah, and there's no guarantee that these 36 are the same either. Like, how do you explain if you don't change anything and all of a sudden it goes down to 23 right. because they changed things? This is the argument that vulnerability management and vulnerability assessment teams have had forever, yeah. saying that just showing those numbers doesn't give you an accurate representation of what the environment actually looks like because things come and go. I see. I, so I had some notes in here about the none of them take the information back up for the de-anonymized information. But apparently I was so passionate about it, I put it in there twice. <laughs> <laughs> and then David added some notes onto the second one, but not the first one. It, well, this is just, this was overall comments, which we've pretty much gone over about how you really need to collect and integrate all the way from the bottom, all the way up to the top for the metrics in order to truly analyze this content about whether it's being useful or not. Yeah. So that includes doing, and, and you know, this is all, this is mainly about managing SIM content, but in theory, you should be able to also do the same kind of content management for custom detections in any tool. And provided that tool has a decent API, you could include that and do the management in the same way or using the same methodology for that custom content just as well as you do SIM content. Yeah, then, I don't know, a lot of these metrics hurt because they don't really... Like coverage, miter attack coverage is a useless metric. The number of pieces of content rolled out in a year is a useless metric. We rolled out 800 pieces of content, but they're all variations on the same IOC release. Like, yeah. Well, those are not the kind of metrics I'm talking about. Like for instance, yeah. being able to tie metrics to, hey, you've had this version ran for six months. It had this number, it fired this number of times, this number of false positive. You change it to version five, and all of a sudden, this is what it looks right, like now. Versus, yeah. Right, or it got worse. Yeah. <laughs> or never fired again. We are Debo, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, one of them actually does track history. So, but I think only one of them tracks history. But does it track the metrics associated with that history? No. It, but, <laughs> that, well, that's, that's something that doesn't make sense at all, though. If this is supposed to be content management, all of them should be tracking history. That's so the they point. can't because none of them are pulling the results back in there because they're all afraid. They're all like, our lawyers won't let us with privacy concerns because they're all SaaS because it's all in their cloud and they don't do a on-prem version. Or... Yeah, it's annoying. Yeah. All right. Why does this matter? I already went over this. 
Um, but again, it never made sense to me that each company is independently responsible for creating content. We're all alone trying to detect and respond to attackers. Uh, we're all a unique snowflake. We all need unique content. Uh, but honestly, like 90% of our content should be the same as every other company. And parts of these don't seem to be separate products. Some of these are things that should be included in the sim, like the content management. Content management should be in a sim. Like it should not be, you do not need a separate thing. Automated quality validation. Like it kills me that you have to spend extra money to get this. <laughs> uh, although at least one of these, Amble Logic specifically, they act as a sim layer for data lakes. They work with Snowflake and they turn Snowflake into a sim. It was kind of cool. Oh, interesting. One of their reps told me that Snowflake's about half as expensive as Splunk. So companies that were struggling with the log management and data management in Splunk could save quite a bit of money by moving to Snowflake. Hey. Not terribly shocking. Yeah. Yeah. But if you don't want to pick up one of these tools, you can also consider doing detection as code. Now, at, at .conf, they talked about this in SEC 1197C about how to do this. Or were 1197 A and B? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know how they come up with those numbers for their for their for their talks. Uh, but it was that SEC 1197C build detection as code like the Splunk threat research team. So they go through and they talk. Uh, I think I'm not. They go into building the entire Splunk app around this, which I think is a little bit overkill. But the the basics behind this is to use a code repository in order to manage your, your, your detection code. And there'll be several links in, in, the, in the show notes to different resources for detection as code. And, and actually, you'll be, you'll be happy to know that I found an, an article from Anton Chuvakin <laughs> from three years ago <laughs> talking about detection as code. How did I miss that? Where? Well, you can't read everything he puts out, Matt. Although you do have a tattoo of him on you. <laughs> can't see right now, but it's on my chest. <laughs> right by your heart. If I ever run into him in person, I'm going to be like, ah. <laughs> How embarrassing would that be? Just imagine if you ever were famous and you bumped into somebody like they showed you a tattoo of your face on their body. Well, uh, it's Anton Chewbacca on my right pack, and it's John Strand on my left. <laughs> And then Daniel Leisler's on my back. <laughs> I think I think they'd be like hitting their panic button for security. Uh, but anyway, detection of as code is very much along the same line as, as managing this content, except using you know the DevOps. Oh, that's kind of louder. What do you call it? Um, a dev, DevOps philosophy on how you do code management. Yeah, I think all these guys are basically doing detection as code. They're just abstracting it away from you. Right. So that you can't see it. But I think you can you can do detection as code yourself. It's going to take a lot more elbow work. Yeah. Splunk does provide... Splunk and Mandiant... I don't have them on this computer. Splunk and Mandiant both provide links to their repositories. Maybe it's Red Canary. Provide links to their repositories where they have kind of documented logic. And they like describe how they do it with a markup language and do we have a do we have an outro anywhere? Hey! Well that looks like all the articles we have for today. Thank you for joining us. Follow us at Serengeti Psych on Twitter and subscribe on your favorite podcast app.